Hello, thanks for listening to this episode of Psyche Design. Today I'm here with Odd, an INTP, and we're gonna really just get into the inferior function. I've got some fun quotes to share with you from Carl Jung and Marie-Louis von Franz. And if you didn't know, as an INTP, um, INTPs have FE as their inferior function, and I have TI as my inferior function. So we're also going to kind of really explore this inferior function by comparing and contrasting our experiences, kind of sharing how we've seen it and how, how we understand the inferior function. So, Odd, would you like to kind of just introduce yourself and tell us who you are in the type community, your interest in personality? Hi, I'm Odd. Um, I believe I'm an INTP. I keep saying I'm a, I'm, I believe because I always, I mean, after I found out that I was most, like an, most likely an INTP, a couple of people recently, a couple months ago, uh, talked to me and they were like, I think you could be an ISTP or an INFJ. Uh, hopefully this video helps them and maybe mm -hmm. figure it out better, but um, I've been in the type community for about five to six years, but I've been interested in Carl Jung and his theories since I was in high school. That's more than 10 years ago. Um, and it really has to deal with, well, how the, how, the reason I got into it, initially mm -hmm. it was introduced to me in school. And then I typed as an ENTJ at the time. And um, initially I was like, ooh, yeah, I'm a commander. That's right. Mm -hmm. But then... Um, the more I sat there and thought about it, actually, I didn't think about it, but you just go about on your daily routines and you think about the, the words that were used to exist describe you. And then you actually engage with the world and you start to see discrepancies. And, and so I realized, okay, maybe I am not an ENTJ because if I were an ENTJ, then these problems would be what I would be expecting. And yet that was not, those were not the problems that I was actually dealing with. So. I had to sort of go on a long journey <laughs> at the time um, into this uh, material, talk to a few people and uh, finally arrived at what I think is the closest type for me, which is an INTP. Mm -hmm. And hadn't you said that you feel like kind of being surrounded by more NFJs and STPs in your personal life maybe has, maybe has even kind of changed your approach to NI and SE, that could be why people might be seeing you as an ISTP. Yeah, right. about, yeah, about six years ago. Um, like I knew, I knew about you uh, when I was doing research and I was like on YouTube, I was like, okay, well, what is extroverted feeling? So mm -hmm. I started Googling. I was like, what is like introverted thinking? And you popped up and you were saying all these things. And at the time I was like, okay. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was very confused. I was like, um, all right. And so I just kind of moved on. But then uh, I got this job as a contractor. I met a guy and he was almost, it was very similar to me. And then, so we got to talking about all kinds of things and I was fascinated. I was like, oh my God, like, I thought I was just this type of person that nobody could like identify with or whatnot, but this, here's this person. And then he pulled out a crystal or a rock. And I don't know how the conversation went there because one minute we're talking about uh, neutrinos and then suddenly he's like, yeah, so that's why I carry this rock around. This rock is this weight. And I was like, oh, huh? <laughs> I think he was an INFJ, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> basically NI is. It, it seems kind of strange when you're hearing other people talk about the experience, but then when you see them in real life, you're sort of like, that's not quite the way that you are. No, but uh, it was really interesting because at the time we have to commute, right, into DC mm -hmm. and you take public transportation. I took public transportation and he also did as well. So I'm like, so you're walking around DC with rocks in your backpack, although you don't have to and needlessly weighing yourself down because why? Uh, but I mean, at the time, I didn't really make any comments about that because he seemed, it seemed to me that he really treasured these rocks. So it's like, I bought them. And I was like, okay, if you spend money on rocks, then those rocks mean something to you. So I'm not going to say anything about it. But I was like, I don't really understand how the conversation got here. But from then on, I started to meet a lot of NFJs uh, and a lot of STPs. And so like, they sort of 
showed me a lot about this extroverted sensing that I didn't understand. And through my attempt to access the inferior, because that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was able to learn a thing or two from them and I continue to learn a thing or two from them and, uh, and incorporating that into my awareness of people, of life and so on. And, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of to, kind of the segue to what we're talking about here. So some, why I'm really excited to have you on is because we've had some really great conversations about the inferior as we both have attempted to kind of allow the inferior to come up because Marie-Louise von Franz refers to the inferior as the bridge to the unconscious. And I really like that sort of keyword as we're talking here, because there's a lot of ways that people have referred to the inferior. There's also um, a pretty popular book about being in the grip uh, that is like the MBTI theory where um, essentially you can get stuck in the inferior and act not like yourself very much. But, you know, I, let me just, let me just start with a quote here to kind of ground us. Um, so a quote from Carl Jung, to the extent that a person's functions, that a person functions too one-sidedly, the inferior function becomes correspondingly primitive and troublesome the overly dominant primary function takes energy away from the inferior function, which falls into the unconscious. There, it is prone to be activated in an unnatural way, giving rise to infantile desires and other symptoms of imbalance. This is the situation of neurosis. So because our dominant function is taking energy away from the inferior, it can act out in these not so pleasant ways. And two keywords that BB has for the inferior is embarrassment and idealization. So there's kind of this um, two sides to it where we can aspire to be more like our inferior, but also kind of it could be a source of embarrassment because you might act out in a primitive way. But it's also the gateway to the unconscious in the sense that the more you can heal your relationship with that function and your dominant doesn't come as doesn't act as adversarial to the inferior then you know some that's the gateway to the unconscious so do you want to just sort of talk about how, how would you describe the inferior or how, how do you see the inferior I mean, the definition is pretty spot on in terms of how it applies to my life and how I've seen it apply to other people's life. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now, uh, I've seen it uh, sort of be the gateway in a way that it opens up for a brief embarrassment moment or for a long haul, you know, just devastation, which when where you're living fully in the shadow and can't get out. And then of course the occasional, oh my God, I, did I finally get it moments and then realizing okay that was just that was just a moment let's let's keep going so <clears throat> I think uh so mine is extroverted feeling so you know the the way to relate to other people um the ability to uh I don't know the, honestly I keep reading the definition for FE and I I sort of see it happen with other people like when you know my ENFJ friend does things with her FE, I know she's doing it because I'm aware of her type and that you know she's engaging in that behavior. But when I'm trying to do it myself, it's very difficult. Oh, there's another aspect to extroverted feeling, which is feeling whatever emotion that they're feeling in the moment and making that sort of apparent to everybody. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I also struggle with. Um, but I think. Um, the inferior function really, uh, I mean, is, is, is tricky because a lot of people mistake the inferior with other functions that are not quite conscious in them yet. Sometimes the inferior shows up. It's one of the purest expressions that we all have. And um, so it gets very easily tainted. You know how like mm -hmm. in a clear glass of water, if you drop a single drop of ink, it just sort of goes and completely taints yeah. water. So there's no defense around your inferior in any shape or form. 
as we grow older, you can set up defenses in the auxiliaries, like the, for me, the extroverted intuition and introverted sensing. I can do that by becoming more conscious of what I'm doing there. But with extroverted feeling, as, as Marie Louise von Franz says, the door's completely open and you can't close it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it remains to be the vulnerable area in your personality that never goes away. But then at the same time, if you were able to close that door and sort of become this defensible castle, then as a person, you wouldn't be able to grow. So in another way, having that inferior always be open and vulnerable, <clears throat> excuse me, is the key to your growth at all times as a human being. And it, it makes us be aware of our imperfection. And uh, to some extent, keeps us from spiraling too out of control. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, right, keep going. Oh, no, I just was going to say to add, like, what I'm really interested in that I'm not quite sure what I have the answer for, but is, so if when our inferior is triggered, which another thing that Marie uh, said is that there's this concept of like a sore spot. Um, the inferior borrows from the collective, from the unconscious to cover up their sore spots. Like it could be easily triggered by other people, but it's like, because of that embarrassment, how do we move through that and transcend it? There's not really a clear answer, but it is clear to me, it seems that doing that is kind of the key to beginning shadow work or to to healing in 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 one way and it's gonna look different for every type and every person depending on what those experiences were but I even think just the clarity and maybe this is because my TI I have TI is my inferior but even just the clarity of understanding that oh, like this doesn't make me completely broken. This is just a function of my psyche that is embarrassed because of this. And we all have this sort of area. Because I think a lot of people when that function is triggered, it feels so uniquely happening to you. And it, it's, it feels like your unique broken spot, you know? But it's how, how, do, we, how do we move through that sort of embarrassed feeling and start to go on the journey toward um, integrating it or at least um, allowing it to heal. That, that's, I don't really know the answer to that, but yeah. Uh, in my experience, uh, I'm, gonna, I, it, it, I'm going to divide it into before I, I would become aware that my inferior function was extroverted feeling and after. So before, mm-hmm. if somebody points something out to me that seemed wrong to me, I would go on the offensive, right? Because my TI here says, child, you're wrong. Let me explain. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, you know, when you're a hammer, everything seems like a nail. And at the time, and mm. to be honest, most people tend to use their dominant function the foremost. So I was just hammering at it. I'm like, why don't you get it? Why don't you get it? And I would explain myself, explain myself. I would berate them for being stupid, not quite actually using the word stupid, but I would berate them for not understanding what they're talking about. And, you know, I'd be like, well, this is correct. This is correct version of the understanding that you should have about this. This is the definition, therefore the premise is this, and we have to start from that. And I would just constantly nail at them. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing that, you're not actually making a connection with the person Mm -hmm. at all. Um, so the other person gets upset and then they'd be like, oh, you know what? I hate you. Or you think, you know, everything you don't, you know, nothing. Right. And that's like always a very sensitive spot for dominant TI users who really have spent so, so much time thinking about these things that, you know, and they do it because they're like, I, I gather all this information and I've, you know, put them in a logical sense and a logical order so that I can tell you how to be a better person. Yes. Which I want to comment on that really quick it reminds me of kind of what we had talked about is like I think a lot of people when they think of the the inferior it's like INTPs you need to just start caring more about people and ENFJs you need to just start thinking more and being smarter I mean obviously that's just I'm butchering that but what I want to point out about your story here with the TI dominant people is like you're trying to help when you're correcting them it's not that you need to care more about other people. It's that there's something, 
about the way that you are caring about other people that doesn't work or causes the embarrassment or like causes conflict um because because of like the and I don't really know how to describe this but because of the way that your FE is and it's your TI is so strong it looks like you don't care it does and by that sorry go ahead (laughs) oh actually I was going to try to explain um at least from my perspective Mm -hmm. how why the disconnect is between the dominant and the inferior yeah because because i've I've had the chance to observe a lot of fp users around mm-hmm. me especially high fp users what intps um tend to miss out on is that the ti is absolutely subjective to the self and it can be very close to the truth however uh in forsaking the inferior extroverted feeling what happens is that we do not make sufficient connection with the other person. That means we do not recognize their individuality as a person. Mm. It, while, and not understanding that the same thing, we're doing the same thing to ourselves because extroverted feeling is a value system that we apply broadly, right? So mm. not only are the INTPs um, taking the humanity aspect out of other people, they're also taking the humanity aspect of themselves and not allowing themselves to be individuals. Because remember, we also had this discussion about how to you, a lot of INTPs seem the same. And, and at the time, I wasn't really sure 100% if I agree with that. But thinking back upon our conversation, I realized, yeah, I mean, if INTPs or even dominant, you know, judges, dominant introverted judges, such, such as INFPs and INTPs and ISPs, if we were so individualistic, and we were so actually, you know, very much independent, from everybody else, then we couldn't be stereotyped into a group. We couldn't be recognized for having these functions because it would be so specific and subjective and individualistic, right? That we wouldn't fit into a group of of any kind. What we do before that FE aspect is aware for us is that we just keep arguing the definition like this is not it, it's not true to me, it's not true to me, therefore this can't be true, this can't be true. But that behavior itself is very much the boxing that yeah. we allow that yeah. we get into that we don't know about yeah and that's uh you know with type in general so much of it is our minds putting ourselves in a box and i think you know understanding the way that this inferior function works in our psyche is in a way like unlocking that box but um do you want to, do you think you can speak to how you kind of realized that your inferior was FE and not FI? Like when you were maybe thinking you were an ENTJ or did you, was that one uh, of the reasons why you? Um, the ENTJ thing didn't last long, actually. So you didn't um, ever really consider FI as the inferior? Oh, but I definitely did not. Uh, I was like, I feel so much on a daily basis. Like I have so yeah. many feelings. There's no way I don't feel uh, things at all. And I actually then went back to some online tests and I was like, this, that has to be wrong. And I looked at the definitions or I looked at the sentences of the uh, wording of the test and I could pick out which one was more feeling dominant and which was more thinking dominant. And I was like, I'm gonna choose the feeling because I agree with it. Back at this moment in my life, I was like this, Therefore, right, you start picking and choosing mm-hmm. um, the functions based on your own personal uh, curated experience. Yeah, this is more of a SI thing, you know, because yeah, you know. So, do so, you think of yourself as someone that feels a lot? I used to, because that I, to, I, that makes me want to parallel to the idea that I would say that I'm an overthinker. You know, and so what does that say about the inferior then? If um, it can't, is there this element of inflating it to some extent? Like, do you, would you say that as an INTP, you felt like overwhelmed by emotions ever? Um, yes, and always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Um, so you, you repress it because everybody seems, right? We are all sort of unconsciously com- comparing ourselves to others and so you know it seems like I'm always really overreacting when I have an emotional moment and everybody looks very taken aback every time I have any kind of emotion of any sort so you know it's not like we have a good grasp of that, good grasp of that area mm-hmm. so you know every time somebody's like 
oh my God, what's wrong with you? You know, that really gets to you. And you're like, oh my God, it took me so long to come up with this emotion because it was really like, I justified all the things that were justifiable. And I took out all the emotions that were not justifiable and giving you this result here because I'm really frustrated and, and it's too much. Well, then, you know, then, then my expression is wrong. Like it was too much. I need to tone it down. And, but it's not like I know how to tone it down. It's my inferior. So in toning it down, what I do is I'll analyze that emotion, why I had that emotion and what situation caused it and therefore what to avoid and what kind of situations to avoid, how to get out of that. And if I do all of these things, then I will never feel that emotion, not knowing that's not how emotions actually work. Wait, so that's interesting because that kind of reminds me of something similar to what I do. And so I think this might be a good time to kind of compare and contrast and think of some examples. So you try and overanalyze the feeling so that you don't feel it. Because I think that for me, I can really overanalyze people situations or, or like any, if I'm in conflict or really what tends to happen, like the way I would describe my, the way that my inferior TI shows up for me is discernment, like a lack of discernment. Like my heart is too open and too accessible. So what happens is because I didn't trust any sort of judgment that I might have had that kind of creeps up, I like shoot that down. And I think that I'm just being rude or mean or nitpicky or stubborn. I like swat that down and I don't listen to it. And as I grow, I'm starting to think of that voice as actually trying to protect me. But then what happens is I ignore it and then I get myself in situations. And as you said, you've noticed your ENFJ friend, like ENFJs can kind of get in situations that are quite dramatic to where friends or family are like, how did you even get yourself into this situation to begin with? And I ask myself that whenever I'm in it, I'm like, how did this happen? How did I not see this coming? And I'm like analyzing everything, but I'm also trying to put myself in everyone else's shoes and give them the benefit of the doubt and imagine what they could have been thinking. And I will do mental gymnastics for another person in order to give them the benefit of the doubt and to be able to move on to the point where I can ignore my own discernment to where it's sometimes there's situations where it's like all right maybe maybe someone did have a valid reason to do what they did but that doesn't mean it's okay and they still should have been more responsible with how they handled it and so like for me I get into these, I've always been called like a worrier and I've always kind of, I'll like dwell on situations. If I'm in the middle of like a conflict or if I'm not sure what's going to happen, then I can like get very introverted, but I'm not like, I'm not brooding on my emotions. I'm just trying to figure out what I need to do in the situation and overthinking everything I could have done differently. So and how, how would you, I guess, contrast that <laughs> with, with you? Gosh, I mean, before we contrast this, I want to yeah, say that what you just told me makes so much sense because <laughs> like sometimes, you know, after lunch, my ENFJ uh, co-worker friend and my INFJ co-worker friend, we would all go and get tea after lunch. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we go to Starbucks, sometimes we go to other places. And sometimes the Starbucks folks get the order wrong. And if they get it wrong, I'm going to be like, I'll taste it. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Hi, uh, this thing is not quite what I ordered. Could I, could I please ask you to correct it? And they'll be like, okay, yeah, sure. And I'm like, thank you so much. And I get what I want because that's, you know, I know that's a, a policy store policy that allows me to do that. But my, both of them, the, both the ENFJ and INFJ would take the drink and they'll say, thank you. And I'm like, I think there's nothing happening. Right. Cause I'm like, okay, we all have our order. Let's go. And then they drink it. And then like outside of the building as we're walking back to the office and they'll drink it and they're like, oh, this is not right. This is not right. This is not correct. And I'm like, okay, we can go back and ask. Uh, We can go back and tell them that it's wrong and uh, they'll fix it for us. And they were like, no, it's okay. And uh, you know, and I'm just like, 
We paid for the break. <laughs> we paid for it. We should have get it corrected. But now it makes sense because you're you two, uh, the, they were, and so are you, overthinking for them. Like, oh, there must have been something that they, something, yeah. something. I don't know. And I'm just like, ultimately, the result is we got wrong orders. We should go get it fixed. They'll do it. It's in the company policy. They'll let us do it. It's reasonable. We're not trying to ask them to change it 2,000 times. And, and they never do. So imagine the, that's a perfect metaphor for the way that they were able to take a sip of the drink, know it wasn't right, but then immediately feel like they have to adjust to the taste of the drink and make themselves like it and kind of make themselves feel like this is hitting the same craving that I wanted. Like imagine doing that with everything. Like that's like really dramatic, but it's like, Whenever I've been like at my worst, it has been sort of this violated feeling of like, how did I let certain people or situations get to me? And it's like, I let people in so deep that maybe don't have my best interests at heart because I let them. And then I end up blaming myself uh, as opposed to them because I didn't uh, listen to my discernment. So... <laughs> yeah i don't really get into those kinds of situations um, yeah, you it's it's your ti is you know making sure that i mean i don't know you can explain it in your own words but your ti prevents you from those situations um generally but but you know it's not like but the thing is the other aspect of the inferior is that we crave it like mm -hmm. anything on the planet right like yeah if, if i could have this then my life would be perfect no, it won't be, but you'd have a better way of dealing with the world. That's it. But uh, did I just shoot down like desires of everybody? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, with the inferior FP, so I always want the connection with people. I want it to go well. And I want it. I have this image of us being like best friends or like, you know, whatever. And, and you know, we're just kind of going through life, you know, punching all these bad walls out of the way and making ourselves, you know, great people for the world, you know? It, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's embarrassing to say this, but since we're talking about the inferior, <laughs> look, Marie said it was barbaric. It was animalistic. I'm aware <laughs> of it, you know? Um, so with the, you know, I just want like all these people to get on this because this is the truth. And if we follow this truth, we're all going to go to a better place. And so yeah. that, that's kind of the force that I have when I'm not, when I'm desiring extroverted feeling, but not actually engaging in extroverted feeling. And so then, mm. you know, some people would be like, hey, you know, I, I like you. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't really know if you like me, but hear me out. <laughs> I have this idea <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, okay, I thought you were cool, but you're kind of weird. And so, uh, and they'll go away and I'm like, okay, what did I do wrong now? And it's, it's, I don't know what I did wrong. I just know something did happen and they didn't like something about me. So like I said, before I became aware of the extroverted feeling aspect, I was slowly sort of close the door on like what I thought, you know, was okay. Um, because, well, this person didn't like this. They didn't like that I was, you know, mm. very confident. They didn't like that I seemed to, because I read a lot as, as a kid, I've always read a lot of books. And um, I was talking to my mom about this because uh, my friend was talking about something, but I was like, mom, when did I start learning? And she was like, oh, like right after your brother was born, so around two or three, you bugged me so much, I had to teach you how to read. Because, mm -hmm. you know, like I would make her read the same book over and over and over again, because my SI was like, I want that experience again, give it to me. Oh. And, um, and since I couldn't read, I needed her to read. And I would ask a million questions. And so she taught me how to read. And from then on, I just read everything. And so my parents always, you know, even though they weren't always financially well, they would buy me books so that I could read more books. So, you know, when I'm going to these situations, you know, I know what I'm talking about, even as a child. Yeah. Because I'm like, I read this book, I read this opinion, I read these things, and these are what, they, what the experts are saying about it. And so, and so now I'm like, based on all these things, these things were logical to me, so I'm gonna point this out to you, right? And this is me like five, six years old. Uh, yeah. I was doing that from then on, very early on in life, just throughout. So. Uh, question here. whenever you realize that you there's something about you that maybe someone didn't like 
that did that stop you from doing the thing or did it stop you from reaching out to people or what was your I guess reaction to that <clears throat> it depended on the other person's reaction and how strong it was and mm -hmm. the thing is if I really think back to it most people really didn't have such strong reactions but our minds have a way of inflating the negative when it comes to the mm -hmm. inferior yeah and downplaying the positive when it comes to it as well so we're not really aware of our progress in that area and yeah. something as as precocious and extroverted feeling as having your inferior I'm not aware that I could go out to meet more people and they'll have different opinions of me mm -hmm. that would change the initial person's assessment so you know if one person said yeah well you think you're so right but you're ugly as hell then mm -hmm. I'm gonna be like okay well and then I would okay I was like all right um I don't know what this conversation has to do with my face but <laughs> you're wrong and then I'll go home and I'll start researching. I'm like, okay, how do these two things link? So then I'll look at all of this information about being beautiful, like data on what is considered beautiful. And I was like, and I would get lost in that research for a really long time. And I'm like, okay, well, I am ugly. So personally, technically Aww. speaking by mathematical, you know, argument, I'm not beautiful. So you're, That's it fine. seems like you're looking for the truth in what they said, even if they were being rude and knew nothing about you. And yeah. had to say they had no no room to talk and so that's something okay that's interesting because i'm seeing some parallels here where for one if someone did not know me i would absolutely not take their opinion to heart at all so mm -hmm. like i have almost kind of a pr protection there where I, I i can almost tell if someone is telling me a fact in good faith like that oh like oh this is actually true i should take a look at this or if they're just sort of talking out of their ass like so but anyway but what i what i do so i relate to you i started reading really when i was like really young like i like had my mom read to me all the time went to the library and i remember like in preschool i i taught myself or i like learned how to read when i was four and i went to a montessori preschool and i was like reading the entire time not playing or like doing anything else but it's like i think as an fe dominant if people didn't like certain aspects about me i wouldn't ever change who i was but i would compartmentalize of like if you don't like this aspect about me i just won't bring it out around you or like i'll just go use my fe energy to find someone else that likes me but it's weird because if I'm not honoring like my inferior introverted thinking or like, no, who am I? What is the truth of me? That it's like, this is how I think FE dominance can come off as fake or insincere. If I'm always like, oh, well, I just want to show that part of me here. But it's like, we, we're, not, we're not ever really discarding those parts of us but it makes it really hard for us to know who is the real truth of us and how can I step into that and then also believe that there's going to be people out there that accept 100% of that. And then the reason why we're always wanting more and more, it seems like validation or belonging is because we don't get fulfilled. Even if we're in a big, big group of people, if we aren't bringing out all of this, like the entire TI truth of us, it doesn't feel the same. So right. then it's like, you're still creating more and more FE and it's not ever going to feel satiate. It's not going to satiate you. So it's interesting how we both kind of deal with that back and forth, but react to it differently. Yeah. So, you know, as a, so that's, that's what, I, that's also something that I do observe in extrovert healers. Mm -hmm. And whereas I struggle with the opposite, which is, this is who I am. At least this is who I mm -hmm. think I am. And yet, if you reject that part of me that I brought to you, then you've rejected me entirely. So at that point, you know, what's the point of carrying on this conversation? What's the point of continuing this relationship? There isn't. So then, you know, okay, cut losses and move on. But at the same time, that doesn't mean the hurt isn't there. I'm just not acknowledging yeah, yeah. it because I don't know how to do it. So that's, that's the struggle that I've dealt with. Now that I'm aware of extroverted feeling, um, as as a as a factor as a, as a an aspect of my rea uh, reality and personality that I've ignored for a very long time or that I didn't really know how to use, I'm slowly figuring it out. And I'm like, okay, well, 
you know, there are some things that I don't have to say in this situation. I can't just let it go. It doesn't, it's not going to change my world if I get this right. Like, this is not the most important part of my life. You know, this is what I'm doing because of this. So, you know, I, I can take some attention away and let other people sort of take up that sp- spot and I won't, it won't matter to me. Yeah, because it seems like for you or TI Dominance, it's a little bit more all or nothing when it comes to getting your FE belonging needs met. It's like you're either going to have all of me or none of me. I know who I am, which is good because you're, you're seeking like true connection. But that's really hard to come by because everybody is so different. And so I think stronger FE for FE dominant people, it's really understanding that everybody is so different. And so in a way it's impossible for someone to really understand all of you. And so, but then FE will like um, take crumbs um, just to get its belonging needs met. Like where maybe, I mean, you tell me how you've experienced it, but it seems like for TI dominance, it seems like you could just go go many years without connection or like withhold yourself from it um, because you're waiting for the right thing or something. I mean, how would you describe that? So um, when we began this conversation, I told you about the INFJ man that mm-hmm. I happened to just meet. Yeah, at, uh, before then I had no human connection for years, you know? And it's not like you're really aware of it. You just kind of, it's like a itch somewhere that you can't really scratch and you're not really mm-hmm. sure where the itch is you don't know oh, interesting. if you can scratch it but then you know somebody comes in and they show you this aspect of of the ti that you're like oh my god and then so you just kind of start stuffing your face with it and you're like mm-hmm. oh this is so good oh this is so good and you have this feel like and you and that la- and that actually kept me pretty like excited for like months um and then i remember a couple of years ago we went to korea for a reason thing and uh you know my mom knew somebody because she's an isfj she makes connections like y'all crazily <laughs> well and uh we met this person you're like we're gonna have meet this person for lunch i was like okay whatever you know mm-hmm. and, and then we started talking and he was a data scientist but he also understood this uh eastern metaphysical concept called bazi and he sort of explained it like lightly but i caught it i was like wait you know this and he's like yeah and so we started to talk about it mm. and I got really fascinated because he was using a different system than the one that everybody else uses so I was like please tell me more what about this what about this what about this and then I think <clears throat> I just kind of right it's that all or nothing opening up and so he was unwilling to end the conversation at lunch he actually took us to like drink coffee and we sat down there and then we talked for like two more hours and Aww. I was we were both worried like but you have work after this. Like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm a supervisor. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And he taught me all of these things. I was like, oh, so if that's true, then this would be true too. Right. And he's like, like, you're so interesting. Like you're acting like you're 60, although you're not 60. And I was like, I was like, no, no, no. I'm just really interested because this is a concept that only like old people really cared about. But then he ended up teaching me a little aspect of the tool. He's like, oh, this is how we do it. I was like, oh, he's like, yeah. And this is how you understand the concept. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. And so the extroverted feeling popped up. And that moment, I got like all the energy that I would have wanted for like the entire trip way back. And it's that memory continues to keep going. And I'm like, I need to reach out to him. And it really, he helped me get interested in data science, which I'm still kind of learning about, but you know, I'm like, okay, if a data scientist is doing this, there's something about this that's objective about, that's calculable about it, that I could look more into. And so he sort of opened a door for me, like, hey, you know, can you use technology to understand this concept? And I was like, okay. Mm. So it seems but it's like, like for you, maybe like the people connections you have, it can help feed your TI, like maybe missing links or questions that you have about yourself or the world, you could kind of would you say that's a driver in your connections with people? I don't know if it's a driver, but they always end up helping me if the connection is right. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I think that I need to work on when it comes to, because I, I live for conversations like that whenever it just randomly happens and you just feel so connected, like you've known the person for so long. But sometimes I think I could keep people in my life out of loyalty that um, I'm not learning anything from. 
So, I mean, but the thing is, you told me initially that the dominant FE would be like, oh, you don't like this. I'm going to take this aspect out of your life, right? But what if that aspect is the truth that you're withholding from people? They're just not used to it. So they don't know how to react to it initially. But if you gave them enough of the same reaction, then they, that might be the key to opening that aspect of the personality corresponding mm. that they could reach out to you. Because despite all this, despite you know mm. knowing my parents for 30 plus years, they're showing me new things about them that mm -hmm. they, they were not aware of, as well as I wasn't aware of. Hmm. So maybe it's like, maybe for me, for tapping into my inferior, it's less about necessarily listening to judgments about people, which it is kind of like listening to my inner voice, but it's like, if the more, the more of my own truth that I bring to each conversation will naturally sort of weed things out for me. Yeah. And it's, I know it's scary. I know it's scary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it really is. Um, it's always scary too for me but you know I gotta take the risk otherwise you know I'll live life without having met anybody that I could connect to and that's a sad life so and would you say does it feel overwhelming or scary whenever you have those connections uh with FE um does it feel like out of control because I've heard an INTP had told me in the past that they like fear losing themselves in the other person when that happens yeah it does but you know um How that's again with, with uh extroverted intuition <laughs> yes so actually <laughs> um here's a quote that from marie louis von franz for example if a person is a thinking type he can as before you go into the inferior he can go first to sensation or intuition that is his choice. Then he moves to the opposite of the two secondary functions. Then lastly, to the inferior one, but he cannot cross directly to the opposite function. The reason is very simple is that they exclude each other completely. They are incompatibles. So that's how the ox function can help. But yeah, that's why I know about so many different concepts because I just throw it out lightly. I'm like, so do you know about this? And if they respond, that's like, that opens up the gate for more conversation, more depth. Like how much do you know about this, right? And that's what happens. But if I don't do it, I'm like, oh yeah, I know about this. And they're like, okay, so what, right? So mm -hmm. by, by using extroverted intuition, I'm sort of allowing myself the safe space kind of detached from my ego a little bit yeah, and, and sussing out like people and kind of like, okay, mm -hmm. so you know this about this. All right, it's okay. I can, I can talk to you about this. Hmm. And you wouldn't be freaked out. Definitely. So we have about 15 minutes left before I want to wrap up, but there's a couple concepts I want to throw out there in quotes, and then we can talk about our uh, feelings about it or thoughts on it. So one thing about the inferior is that it is unadapted. So here's another Marie quote. The inferior function tends to behave after the manner of such a fool hero, the divine fool or the idiot hero. He represents a despised part of the personality, the ridiculous and unadapted part, but also that part which builds up the connection with the unconscious and therefore, therefore holds the secret key to the unconscious totality of the person. So that kind of reminds me of when you're talking about how it's kind of pure. Uh, because our dominant function is very differentiated because our ego has really, I guess, made its way down there, but it's so un unadapted and undifferentiated. So do you have any thoughts on that by chance? <laughs> well, yeah, but <clears throat> when do I not have a thought, right? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, uh, when it comes to uh, the inferior, you know, you see people engage in inferior and that's where we always tend to be like, oh, you're so cute. Oh, you're so precious. And mm -hmm. we look at like notable people that like the folks really like or, you know, have trusted. And you see this happen where, for example, you know, Keanu Reeves, who I think is an INFP, you know, mm -hmm. he shows up and his nature of how he has constantly worked on his extroverted thinking. And then he shows up with his FI, for example, in that Stephen Colbert uh, interview where he asked, what, where do you, what, what do you think happens to people, you know, after we die? He's like, or something like that. And Keanu Reeves answers like, 
I think those that love us will miss us. And then Stephen Colbert is actually, he can't say anything else after that, you know? It was just such a perfect answer that he, he couldn't wow. just, they, their hands shook and that, that was it. Like they, they did their handshake and that was it. And, and then people love him even more for that. But that they are, they are also aware of what he had to live through, right? And that extroverted thinking in the inferior, because technically it's a truth. And it's not just an FI truth, it's also a TE truth, right? We're talking about people after we're gone. And it's still pure and unadulterated. It reaches yeah. out to everybody and everybody it empathizes with it, sympathizes with it. And it sort of is able to capture this massive unconscious, I don't know, thought or desire or feeling. And that's how all our inferior is. When we actually mm. are able to make that connection, those around us, everyone gets to experience the feeling of it and they can't help but be moved because it is so pure. I really, I really love that. And I, I really have observed that like, I, I love befriending INTP and ISTPs. My, my FE, like I love your guys' FE because it's just so adorable. So like, I, I feel the same, the same way because I'm just like, oh my goodness, they care so much. And like, I just want people to know and recognize how much like TI dominance really do care you know like I just want to throw out there like Linda Behrens for example who's an INTP uh type expert who like I, I just want to say like she has done so much for the type community in ways that are very thankless like I I've, I I don't know the details on this so I don't want to like speak on it but it's like Oh, gosh, what was that? What am I saying? Like, she's done a lot that is like not for money at all and is like fully for helping the type community um, get closer to the truth in ways that are like very humble and like thankless. And I think that that's a lot of TI dominance. The, the, the benefit that you give to society is like not in a very showy way at all. People may not even notice but it's like from such pure intention whenever you do um that have that fe impact you know it's not like a so that you just felt validated in the moment it feels like very much because you believe that the truth matters to people at the end of the day i don't know thanks <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i also have linda Barron's book and her book is really helpful for uh categorizing people when you don't know the terminology because I think she's keenly aware that terminology blocks people from engaging with the system so you know I'm fairly sure it's isn't it Linda Behrens that talks about like behind the scenes and like these kinds yeah. of terms yeah yeah I, I have a couple of her books and I read through all of them while I was uh, doing research and I was like okay well this makes this all makes sense I'm like why is she, why is she not really using official terminology here and um it makes sense is that because she's aware and I've experienced that too, is like, it makes conversation difficult with lay people who do not understand the system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How would you say that you have observed TI, like TI inferior um, when it comes to, like similar to how you were talking about like um, the inferior TE? Because I think, I don't really know how to explain like, how how it is for me because I think a lot of inferior TI can be lack of clarity about things. <clears throat> inferior TI is, isn't so much lack of clarity, it's difficulty lies with prioritizing the truth, the, the core root of the idea. So you know we're going to talk about our favorite favorite resident ENFJ, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. um, his words resonate even to this day everybody remembers now granted not everybody remembers the whole speech but the mm -hmm. i have a dream and what that you know that uh lecture not lecture but like what that speech um entailed what that meant everyone aware is aware there's not a single person even even like when i was uh, not living in america at the time uh even then i i knew about 
Martin Luther King Jr. I didn't really know why he existed, like why he was so famous because I didn't live in that kind of culture, but I know that he had this speech that like moved everybody uh, to tears or something. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then I learned about more about the context. I was like, oh, so that's why he was so important. When, if, yeah. if ENFJs and ESFJs are able to get to the inferior TI, then they stand for the unmovable truth. And it reaches out to everybody. There's not a single person on this, on this continent who isn't aware of the truth that he brought out. And that's the impact that the inferior TI can have. Because I, I think I, you're totally right. But I think even like how for me, it could feel like lack of clarity is that for FE dominant people, we're wanting to consider everybody's truth all the time, that the truth that we are allowed, that we could see is true for everybody. Like we can't, it, it's hard for us to access like just a biased subjective, like this is just true for me because we don't really acknowledge those it seems like the only kind of truth that sticks is like the truth that could be filtered through all of our fe wondering how this applies to everyone else and so i feel like the truth that i do land on is always very very difficult to explain um or even feel certain about in my words then that's not true well what do you what do you mean by that then Look, at the time that Martin Luther King Jr. existed, or is alive, I'm sorry, why do I keep using the word exist? At the time he was alive, there were two truths that society that allowed that men were inherently unequal based on the color of their skin, and therefore treatment should be different on that. Therefore, we had colored water, you know, water fountains and non-colored water fountains. We had colored bathrooms, non-colored bathrooms. P people, uh, not colored people need to sit in the back of the bus, not in the front of the bus. Mm -hmm. That was the truth of the society at the time. But is it really true? Because the constitution says all men are created equal. Mm -hmm. So there's an inherent logical, inherent logical flaw in the way yeah. society was working at the time. Mm -hmm. Now, if we are to approach your, your way of seeing truth which is we need to abide by everyone's truth then martin luther king jr would never have existed but he well, knew the truth of the I situation don't think that, i guess that's where it's like a semantics thing because i'm what i'm when i mean everybody's truth i mean not what they think but what would actually work with them so not not like everyone's opinion it's not like that the truth has to match everyone's opinion but it has to fit with everybody so even with it's it's hard to explain but like you know how it's like like I might have a personal truth that I personally have like I have ADHD and so there are certain things that help me be productive that is like a truth or like a fact of my life being me but if I were to make that a rule for a whole company like everyone has to work this way it might not be everybody it might not fit with everybody else's I guess inner tech of how of their truth um I guess like I have no problem I guess pointing out people's hypocrisy or disagreeing with some of their opinions but the only sort of truth that I think lands is if my FE can think oh well this is good for them in the long run or like this is true in the long run for them. I don't know if this, if I'm making sense. I'm, I'm trying to get at, I'm trying to get at how it's difficult to express TI, my, the TI that I can see because I think about how it's gonna impact everybody. So like using the Martin Luther King example, like maybe some of the truth would be against like, um, slave owners but I wouldn't care about their truth because the FE is what would be best for them would be to get over that so does that kind of make sense so then isn't it the same that you know these accommodations for ADHD ADHD people in the workplace should be taken as true and accepted because those who do not should get over it well every, it's like I wouldn't want to set a 
rule that everybody has to operate like me. The truth would be more of like accepting the diversity of that people op- operate differently. And isn't isn't that what Martin Luther King Jr. asked yeah. for? And got well got for what sort of got for other people to get yeah. started on? Yeah, because it seems like when inferior TI comes to a truth, it's like basically truth that works for everyone or like accepts the diversity of people you know what i mean yeah uh i think i can understand what you're saying sort of i mean there there will always be some some uh language barriers in in communication because yeah Uh, i guess it's just hard for me to it's hard for me to land on a truth without considering how it's going to impact everybody else so, I mean, that's all I'm trying to figure out how to explain. And so that yeah, it could feel like it. lack of clarity when sometimes I feel like I can even operate under a truth without having words for it or without being able to explain what the principle is. You Sometimes you have to create a principle. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you just have to verbalize the principle and somebody like me will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> hey this thing already exists by the way you could use this here i bet you probably um, would be able to point out like within me or anyone uh like a principle i'm operating under yeah i can no i am yeah i can <laughs> and it gets better um the more extroverted feeling experience i get the better it gets um so that's that's always something that i have to keep in mind with ti is that I think I know what you're operating off of, but we must have a conversation and I need to understand mm-hmm. your perspective before I go like, yeah, that's that's not quite what you're talking about. Let me let me just carefully introduce this concept to you and see uh, if this doesn't fit you better. And I'm going to go away before you have an emotional explosion. Because even explosion. like what you, even like what I was just explaining, this happens a lot, is that my word choice isn't clear enough to convey what I didn't mean. Like whenever I said a truth that works for everyone, I didn't necessarily mean accepting like bigoted opinions or something. Right. Because like, I'm okay with transforming some people's opinions if it's like better for them in the long run. And like, and then that, that just gets dicey. We're like, I don't even know how to explain what I'm talking about because yeah. Anyway, you guys are seeing an inferior TI right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's cute. It's, it's adorable. I like it. <laughs> well, I just want to say two more, two more things. Wait, actually, just one more thing. Okay. Is the concept of <clears throat> slowness. Is that the inferior function can also just be slow to process. So this quote, also from Marie-Louise von Franz, it says, one of the great troubles of the inferior function is its slowness, which is slowness which is one reason why people hate to start to work on it the slowness should not be treated with impatience and without trying to educate the damned inferior function one should rather accept the fact that this realm has to waste time that's just the value of it because it gives the unconscious a chance to come in so i think something along with that slowness is that it also takes more energy for us to access it because it takes more time so I think that could be a great, something that really defers us from getting started. And it's why like, even though both of us right here, we're both trying our best to dip our toe in, like even in this conversation, but there's a lot of people that aren't even there yet at all, where like it, they absolutely hate their inferior and they have a really negative view of it maybe because there was a time that they started, they tried to work on it, they were slow at it, and then it made them embarrassed. And I guess like, yeah, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Slowness is absolutely a good word to describe it. Another way to do it is, you know, it's, it's kind of like, whereas the dominant function is like finding something very common, but very useful all the time. Like, the dominant is like breathing air. It's like easy, you know, you just do it. It's so conscious, it's almost unconscious, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. like the operating system when you boot up your computer just turns on and you can immediately work on. But the, the inferior, not only is it slow, it's clunky. It's like working with mm-hmm. 
a computer from like 20 years ago and you're like why am i being forced to use this number one and number two why is it so slow and it's so limited it can't do anything right but then but then you compile a code in the 20 year old computer and somehow it works and you're like oh my god <laughs> like literally me right now like i'm wanting to try and find I'm trying to comb through these main principles of the interior. And I have this document where I have bolded, unadapted, bridge to the unconscious, slowness, sore spots, don't push it, learn from the aux function. But this whole video, it's like just getting kind of meta here. It's like, it is a clunky computer that I'm trying to pull out and because I really care about this. But then like, and then I'm like, oh, but I am better whenever I just flow with it. And it's like, okay, that's another thing is that our dominant function brings a lot of value to society because society wants us to sort of fill that role. There was another quote about that, but um, getting into the inferior can lead to personal integrity and happiness in allowing that healing to happen. But it, is difficult to go there because we get the instant validation from society from being really, really good at our dominant. So like for you, I'm sure like at work or whatever, you get praise for your TI. It's probably just easy for you to do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I get praised for it. People do come to me about a lot of questions and I'm like, why do you have this question? Here's the answer. <laughs> But yeah, like it does feel really clunky and embarrassing and it's sometimes tempting to want to just lean on other people to do it for you. And I don't really know if I have an answer on that because I think it's okay to lean on other people's strengths and not carry the load of everything on your own. But that's where I personally go back, go back and forth is like, I want to challenge myself, but then I also want to... Uh, be you know my best and lean on other people so I don't know <laughs> let's actually we can end on this example yeah, yeah. we had a conversation when you were doing some project and you were like there's no model in the book that I can just copy and use there's nothing in there and I remember and I was like well you know you can look on google you can do this and you know we were just talking the Fear function is something that we lean on other people because we have no data, we have no expertise, and we have no experience in. Mm -hmm. And other people can certainly provide models that we can mimic. Other people can experience, uh, show us a part of themselves that we can copy and try it on, like clothes mm -hmm. and model. But ultimately, the inferior function is something that we have to create from scratch. We can definitely try to use other mm. people's models. We can try to use other concepts and examples and tools to create it. But ultimately, it's supposed to be yours. So allow yourself the time to create something completely new. And allow yourself also to look at the best that other people has had to offer into the society of that perspective and to try to help, try to use it and see if you can't get some good things out of it. Yeah, I really, really like that. And I think to, to end on this note too, the fact that it is slow means it is going to take more time. And it also means you're going to fail sometimes because you're going to have to get the practice because you aren't going to be good at it at first the way you are with your dominant. And so that's where the embarrassment comes in. And we also can idealize the other people that don't have that problem where they keep tripping on themselves. And so I think that that's just where we realize that we're not alone in this. We all have this inferior function. It's okay to give yourself the time. And you also, I think, I don't know if this is because my inferior is introverted, but it's like, you don't have to put that on display. You can give yourself the time on your own to uh, try and fail over and over again before you put it out there. Is, is another thing. I don't know if that works for you with an extroverted inferior. My ENTJ friend always tells me there are 6 billion people on the planet. Somebody will help you figure it out. <laughs> awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me. It's been so much fun to talk about the inferior function. And we're also gonna be doing a video on the trickster function, which is another shadow function. So be on the lookout for that. And thank you so much for listening. We may be walking the path of individuation independently, but that doesn't mean that you're alone. While your journey is unique, we're all going through the same process along our own parallel paths. If you're craving deeper conversation about how your personality type pattern is unfolding, join us for monthly type discussions. The Psyche Design Membership Group comes with access to a private Facebook group, one facilitated Zoom hangout per month with breakout activities, and a monthly Q&A. For more information, check out the link to my Patreon in the description.